Hello, my name's Gary. And my name is Simon. And this is episode 26 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today, we'll be continuing our series on EVs that are widely available, and we'll be focusing on the Tesla Model S. But before we get started, Simon, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the new venue for Fully Charged Live 2020? Well, yes, the uh, the venue had to change, really. Um, Fully Charged Live was growing out of its Silverstone venue quickly. And in the two years, which is, if you think about it, it's an achievement in itself. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but last year, or this year, I should say, keep skipping forward to 2020. But I think this year, it, it showed how much from the first one to this one, it had grown ridiculous in size. And even with the, the, the kind of the way that they changed it, it it kind of outgrown and, and it was difficult to do certain things. There was uh, maybe more they could probably wanted to do with it and they couldn't with the space. So I, it doesn't bother me. So I, I'm not really bothered about the location um, change or even the date change. But I know some, uh, you know, some I know some people have got some reservations about that because of uh, they'd made commitments or they'd booked things, you know, to get there. Certainly, some of the international ones that come over, I'd imagine they've probably started booking flights and hotels and all that sort of stuff but i mean hopefully it should mean it's an even bigger and and better show for those who aren't aware at the moment it has been moved from the silverstone venue to the farnborough international venue on the first second and third of may 2020 farnborough international is the same place they hold the farnborough air show every couple of years um, although obviously uh, we're probably not going to be using the runways and taxiways. <laughs> oh. Although I don't know, that might be a good place to do a couple of uh, launches, mightn't it? Yeah. Mm, okay. I'm very, very happy about this because it's literally uh, <laughs> five minutes from where walk, I live. I could pretty much walk to where it is, so... Uh, I'm quite pleased about that. Having said that, I know the area very well. There are lots of local hotels. Um, I've, I have tweeted this out under the EV Musings Twitter account. If all the Farnborough hotels are booked, try Fleet, which is nearby. There's Premier Inns, there's Travel Lodges, there's an Elfertham Hotel, which is a five star. Mm. There's Lismore. Just if you need any information or any help on that, Tweet me at EV Musings and I'll uh, do whatever I can to uh, to assist because uh, you know it's kind of it's my hood, it's my neighbourhood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, oh dear! Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to that. It should be um, a fun event. Our featured topic today is the Tesla Model S. In the last season of episodes, we looked at the various EVs available to buy in the UK or generally across the world, depending on where you're living. We looked at that point at the Leaf, the i3, the iPace, the Soul and the Zoe. This season, we're going to do some of the larger battery models, including the Kona, the e-Nero and Tesla's range. So today, we're looking at the Model S. And to help us today, I spoke with Andy Rickson, who is known as Electric Petrolhead on both Twitter and YouTube. He has a P75D alongside his BMW i3. And we'll be getting his thoughts and input about various aspects of owning and running the Tesla. So let's start with some uh, facts and figures. The data that we're going to supply here are for the 100D, which is the, I believe it's currently available model um, in the Model S range. There are two versions, the performance and the long range. So the figures we're giving are for the performance. The long range model is obviously a little bit slower but has more range, hence the name, long range. 
The price, the UK price for the what P100 performance is £92,650. I'll stop while we all sit down and go, that's expensive. Uh, which equates to about €105,000 in somewhere like the Netherlands. And when I talked to Andy, he told me why he got the P75D and not the P100D. Back when I got mine, the extra money to get into 100D was £18,000. So I was like, this is ridiculous. The P100D back then was 120, 125 grand. So you nearly double the price. Teslas have always been renowned for the fact that they have large batteries and great range, and the 100 is no exception. Uh, bear in mind, these are all approximate figures, and your mileage may vary, uh, literally. <laughs> the range on these varies between about 230 and 455 miles. So, for example, uh, in the cold weather on a highway, you'd be hard put to get more than about 230. In mild weather in the city, you might get up to 455, although I'm not sure anyone has the time to <laughs> drive 455 miles around the city at urban speeds. Andy told us the following about his Tesla range. Bear in mind he has a P75D and not the P100D, so adjust the numbers appropriately. The honest answer is I don't really notice. I did actually do it about two months ago because I use percentage of battery remaining rather than mileage because for some daft reason, if you use the sat-nav or the energy graph, it's incredibly accurate. You put in, I want to drive to Edinburgh, and you will get to Edinburgh with a percentage, it says, after charging what it wants you to do. So it's very accurate. But the actual mileage on the screen is two different versions of um, how they rate the mileage. I don't really use it, but I did actually look at the comparison, and I think I'd lost like three miles out of 220 plus. Everybody loves the Model S performance. If you've ever had a, a launch, you'll know what I mean. So here's where we are with the 100D. 0-62 in 2.6 seconds with ludicrous mode, which for a, what is it, a two-ton saloon vehicle, it's not <laughs> it's bad <ridiculous>. at all. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Top speed, 155 miles an hour, total power of 451 kilowatts, which comes out to 605 horsepower, with 687 pound-feet of torque, if that means anything to you, <laughs> and uh, all-wheel drive, basically um, electric motors on both the front and rear axle. And the battery specs are, as you expect from Tesla, impressive. Battery capacity, 100 kilowatt hour. Uh, battery usable, 95 kilowatt hour. Fast charge, power up to 200 kilowatt DC, often with free supercharging for life. Fast charge time, approximately 32 to 252 miles at 38 minutes. Which is not bad at all. 200 kilowatt DC charging. Superb. It's crazy, isn't it? That's a dream. As we've always said on these episodes, the real test on an EV is the consumption figure rather than the range figure. So the WLTP ratings for the Model S are 255 watt hours per mile, but a real range, a real world range is closer to... 300 watt hours per mile. So this indicates it's a little bit more thirsty for electrons than specified by the WLT measurements, but that's to be expected purely because of how they calculate WLTP. Um, we know from Twitter, Facebook and the EV meets that we go to that Tesla owners tend to love their cars almost obsessively. Andy has had his for just 18 months now. And when I spoke to him about his Model S, I asked him whether he still got a smile driving it. 
<laughs> yeah, I really do, actually. I do feel very fortunate to have it. The performance was really good when I first got it. And then when it went through the first winter, cold batteries are not the best things for EVs. So you do lose a little bit of performance. It's not much, but, and it doesn't take long to warm up. But there's something really special about going to a supercharger, uh, filling the battery so it's really perfect temperature, and then almost launching it back down the motorway. That just never gets boring. But not everything is fluffy clouds and unicorns in Tesla land. There have been issues with the Model S, some of which are in common with all the Tesla range. And Simon asked Andy about the issues he's experienced. Yeah, I've, I've always been very open, if people ask me. The car was built when Tesla were trying to get 5,000 Model 3s a week. So it was a bit of a silly season over there. And they were moving people off the S and X lines to build the Model 3s. So the car turned up and I had a phone call from Tesla and they said, we found a couple of paint issues. We want to get these sorted before delivery. Or you can take delivery and then we'll book you in and we'll get it sorted. I could not see the issues they had picked up. But back then they did do more of a PDI and the handover took an hour and they had the cover over the car. You know, I went, I gave a lift to a mate who picked up his P100D recently and they didn't even put a cover over it. It was like, walk into the delivery centre at Heathrow, there's your car, have a look around, everything all right? Okay, you can go now. So I had this minor thing. I had the upgrade on the front suspension, because uh, sorry, the, something in the front suspension, because there was a bit of a rattle. It's one of the drive shafts, can rattle under hard acceleration when it's cold. But again, the thing about Tesla is, yes, I've had those couple of issues, but ranges are amazing. The mobile technicians who come out, um, so if you have any minor issues, they'll come out to you, your work or your home and do it whilst you're doing something else. I did have to leave the car with them, sort the paint issue for a week, but I had a Model S as a courtesy car. I've not really had any major problems. The software updates are very good at solving a lot of issues. You get issues with Spotify not connecting, but that's down to um, mobile data. Milton Keynes, for some daft reason, it's so forward thinking in so many ways. But mobile data here sucks at times. The panel gaps, I think, are pretty good. I compared to a mate who had a brand new BMW. Literally both of us went around the car and we found more issues with his BMW than we did with the Tesla. We also know that Tesla are prone to swapping and changing prices pretty randomly for their cars. Uh, Andy mentioned that the price difference between his car and the P100D was huge when he bought it. And more recently, that price has now dropped to something a little bit more manageable. Tesla have also swapped out quite a few of the default options and they've discontinued more and more battery size options as they've ramped up the Model 3 production. A couple of other things that we should mention. We don't have a charge um, curve for this, but acknowledged to be amongst the uh, best giving 200 kilowatt maximum charge for this. You know, so their battery technology has always been almost at the forefront. I I think that's fair to say. Doesn't matter what they bring out, you know. Even the first Tesla to this one, their their technology and getting the most out of their battery, especially the charging, seems to be seems to be one of the best. And certainly with the supercharging that they they've got, it's almost we've said this before. It's like an Apple product. You buy, you know, the the Apple iPad and the OS comes with it, and it's built for each other. And yes. it's seen, you know, that's kind of the best analogy I can give around. You know, the battery in the car and, and the software that goes with it, it all makes that charging the best it can be. 
Then we've got ludicrous mode, which, um, you know, those that don't know what ludicrous mode is, the key is in the name. 2.6 seconds is ridiculous. And as both Gary and myself will attest to, it is indeed ludicrous and um, will firmly plant you in the back of a Tesla seat. I still haven't uh, recovered from my last launch on the uh, the ludicrous. It was still a whiplash. (laughs) Whiplash, that's what it is. (laughs) Um, And then you've got what I I just see as what the future of all electric cars should be. Over-the-air updates. And now, you know, Tesla have added various things like YouTube and arcade games and things like that. A friend friend of mine, um, he basically was waiting for his wife in the Model 3, and he was watching, a, I think it was an Oasis concert on YouTube while, while he waited. You know, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that you can do those things, but it's, it's being made possible just by simple free updates to a, a piece of hardware that's sitting in your car and connected. And, and they've made so many improvements. And yes, they've probably made some issues uh, along the way. But for the most part, from what I understand, the, the updates have been pretty, pretty solid and pretty good. And I think it's worth saying that Tesla are not the only electric vehicle manufacturer who do over-the-air updates, I believe. No. At least Jaguar do them, because I read yes. uh, recently that they've had a range improvement through an over-the-air, an over-the-air update. But... Mm. I think the type of updates that Tesla are providing, um, it's leaps and bounds ahead of oh, yeah. uh, what some of the other manufacturers are doing. So to me, along with supercharging, that's one of the, the unique selling points of that particular mark. Yeah, and that, that kind of brings us nicely onto autopilot and full self-driving. So if you don't actually buy either of those when you first get your Tesla, you can enable it via a software update. So there's a lot of things, certainly in the latest Model 3, you know, you can buy a, I suppose, and I'm going to use this word carefully, a cheaper Model 3. But then if you want self-driving and some of these other options, you can turn get them turned on for a price um, uh, and enabled via the over-the-air update. So, you know, you can start with one model essentially when you first buy it, but then by the time two, three years down the line, you've almost got a kind of different version or an updated version, I suppose. And quite literally in some cases, I... I cast my mind back a few years to one of the I think it was the Florida hurricanes where they had to evacuate people and uh, Tesla provided an over-the-air update for all the people who had the P60 sorry the 60 kilowatt hour models and it temporarily released the lock on the additional 15 kilowatt hours to make them a 75 kilowatt hour um, <laughs> model just so they could actually evacuate the state and that's something you can't do in any other car can you no uh, and and you know we we all know i mean even my bmw has got probably another 10 15 miles there but there's no way of unlocking it unless you know how to get into that maintenance mode and, and unlock it yourself nothing like that and the thought that tesla had put into it there's people in danger there's a way of getting them out of danger by simply doing a software update was yeah just astounding. Really. Mm, completely. In summary, the Model S is the granddaddy of EVs. It's pushed the tech forward, provided the gold standard for other companies to meet and beat. With all due respect to every other EV being made, nobody's talking about a Leaf killer or a Zoe killer or an iPace killer. Whenever a new EV is released, it's always a Tesla killer. So that's the that's the benchmark that people are going for. And so far, nobody's quite met that, but... 
that's not a bad thing. I think people are trying to improve regularly with what they're doing to try and get up to at least up to the level of uh, of where Tesla are at the moment. Tesla, they are expensive cars, even with the various price changes that Elon throws in at random times. But with unbeatable features such as the supercharger network, full self-driving and autopilot, as well as the -the over-the-air updates, this is the car that set the bar really high for everything that followed. So let's wrap it all up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners. Here's mine. It's it's another kind of um, me just getting um, a little bit giddy over the Cybertruck again. Uh, um, so as as probably by the time we're recording this, everyone probably would have seen this on Twitter, Instagram and everywhere else. Um, the Cybertruck was seen in real life person in LA screaming down an LA highway. Um, and then subsequent to that video coming out, uh, it transpires that Elon Musk decided to take the only prototype out to go to dinner and um, was tearing around LA in it. Um, there, there is some really good footage of it. And it actually, the, the more I see this video and the more I see the car in action or truck in action, the more I just think it's cooler by the minute. And it's, it's still, again, it's still one of those cars that will kind of love it and hate it type thing. But, um, as everyone knows, I own an i3, and that's exactly the same. It's completely polarizing. But seeing this thing in action and seeing it being flawed and then just seeing Elon Musk get out, I mean, it's the best bit of advertising Elon could do for this car. Yeah, I was just thinking exactly the same thing. I mean, we know that Tesla don't have an advertising budget per se, but no. when they pull sort of stunts like that, he he was expecting that to get videoed. It's, it's gone viral. You know, yeah. everybody who's anybody who knows about a Cybertruck will have seen that on YouTube or on Twitter or on Instagram or somewhere like that. And yes, suddenly, definitely. you know, all these people who were looking at it going, oh, I don't, I don't like it. It doesn't, you know, it's, 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 uh. they're going to start looking at it now and going, and go, ooh. actually, you know, it's not <laughs> quite as bad as I thought. And oh, yeah. And it's just, it's a stroke of marketing genius. Yeah, you know, 100%. I mean, the, the one thing that should have happened, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, it, it should have broken down. <laughs> because if it broke down, it would have got even more views. Yeah, a bit like the, uh, the the ball through the window. You know, he got he got the most bit of marketing from, you know, I saw that on like BBC News and yeah. Sky News and all that sort of stuff. And that would have been on there. It would have just been Elon Musk releases another car. and But this time it's like Elon Musk like completely bulges it up because like it's not you know it's not impenetrable like this ball didn't go through and i'm like seriously it's like this thing is built like a tank on survivor zombie apocalypse and you're worrying if a ball bearing will go through a window and it didn't actually go through <laughs> all the way i just love that sort of stuff because it's like elon Musk doing what elon Musk best it, he is the real life tony stark he comes out in the billionaire lifestyle. He, you know, this might as well have been his Iron Man suit. <laughs> he just came out and said, that's a time. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out and some fun in it. And, you know, fair play. It's got me sold, as you know. <laughs> oh, I know. Speaking of did you knows, did you know that the Volkswagen ID range of EVs will be carbon neutral? Volkswagen, of course, are famous for Dieselgate, where they installed software that would cheat the emissions tests on their vehicles and let diesel cars be sold, which kicked out way more harmful emissions than was essentially safe. Although, ironically, this meant that uh, they 
as part of the restitution for this. They went into EV production, got in with Ionity and their charging network, and now produce the ID range, which should sell like hotcakes. So, you know, Mm. every cloud has a silver lining. (laughs) But someone inside VW obviously felt that there had to be a little bit more to this. So they've committed to making the whole production of the ID range carbon neutral. And they've done it by ensuring that they follow three main principles. Firstly, reduce CO2 effectively and sustainably. Second, convert the energy supply to renewable energies. And third, compensate for unavoidable emissions. This has numerous challenges, not least is the fact that the ID range uses components from thousands of manufacturers all over Europe and the world. And VW had to ensure that these were also carbon neutral. Hmm. Uh, One key area is, of course, the manufacture of the battery, which accounts for 40% of the vehicle's CO2 profile. The ID3 gets its batteries from uh, LG Chem in Korea, um, but they're actually manufactured in Europe in a production facility in Poland. And VW and LG Chem have an agreement that only certified green electricity would be used to manufacture the battery cells. So CO2 emissions from this sector are therefore effectively zero. There's quite a lot of other things that they've put in place. Um, If you check out the link that we put in your show notes to an article from Electric Cars Report, that will give you more information. Quite an interesting little uh, article. I was um, fascinated to read it. That that was good. I mean, like you said, considering the whole Dieselgate scandal and then them going completely EV or electric cars and not just satisfied with that, it's almost like they're trying to prove to the world that they are a changed company. Now, obviously, proof's in the pudding, but mm-hmm. it's nice to see a existing manufacturer going from where they were to doing electric to doing sustainable electric cars and 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 the whole thing behind it a bit like the 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 i3 did you know with their with their german um manufacturing and, and things like that mm-hmm. but it's it, it's great to see you know usually it's new startup companies isn't it that decide that right from the beginning we're you know carbon neutral and doing all the right things um, it's very rare you see uh, an existing company do that. And I know from reading a lot of Twitter sort of responses to VW ads, there are still a large number of people out there who go, I really want an electric car, but there's no way I'd ever buy a Volkswagen after what they just, did with Dieselgate. Yeah, um, so, with, yeah, there's always that. Um, but as you say, the proof of the pudding's in the eating in this. Will will they actually make good on the promises that they've made as far yeah. as carbon neutrality? Or is it just... You know, they're going to say that, but we'll find out three or four years down the line that there's going to be an issue, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, Simon is at... The EV side on both Twitter and YouTube. And I'm The Real Garrisy on Twitter. If you want to contact us on Twitter, use either of those or our own EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you wanted a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric... It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps improve the visibility of the podcast so other people discover it. I was actually reading the reviews the other day, and there was one that came back and said, you need to sort out the audio. And I need to (laughs) apologise for the audio from... Was it last week or the week before? Because the fan had gone on my laptop. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, made a horrendous noise in the background. But as It you was can, like a little helicopter. That's exactly what it was. But I took the whole computer apart. I put a brand new fan in it. And if you listen now, what can you hear? Nothing. 
Exactly. So for, so for those that think that we don't listen to our um, listeners, then uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.